This is Jim Wallace for the Soul of the Nation. Can a gay, millennial, Midwestern mayor help break the rights monopoly on faith? A wonderful irony is occurring in American politics. For decades now, the traditional and media political wisdom is that Republicans control religion in American politics. And with the exception of African Americans, the Democrats don't like to talk much about faith. This assumption is embraced by Republicans, with white evangelicals in many churches telling their fellow congregants that they can't possibly vote for Democrats. Part of the reason for this misconception is media illiteracy about religion and the personal secular biases of many journalists. In an article in USA Today, Kristen Powers spoke of a resurgent progressive faith movement as perhaps being just what the country needs right now. Then she adds, but non-conservative Christians generally do not receive the same level of news media attention as the religious right, despite their deep understanding of Scripture and thriving faith traditions. She goes on, because most journalists are secular, they can be gullible in looking to the religious right as arbiters of biblical interpretation, especially as it relates to hot-button cultural and political issues. Because of this, she says, many Americans aren't even aware of the rich tradition of progressive Christianity. I would add to that that there is a bias against religion per se among some secular journalists. They want all religion to look like the religious right does, closed, exclusive, and hardline conservatives, because it fits an easy narrative. In fact, I've observed that the religious right and the secular left have one thing in common. They both want the world to think that all religion is right-wing. But there are new voices on religion and politics, and they're coming from the Democratic and not the Republican side. For example, the first millennial candidate for president, the mayor of a mid-sized town in the conservative Midwestern state of Indiana, a gay married man named Pete Buttigieg, has been making the rounds talking about what his faith means to him. While I've always said religion does not have a monopoly on morality, and there should be no religious test for public office, Yet it's refreshing to hear Democrats or Republicans communicate openly on the ways their faith shapes and inspires their core values, their convictions, and vision for the nation. I also want to make clear that I want to lift up his and other candidates' voices this week on religion, not to endorse one or more candidates, but to endorse a fuller, better, richer deeper and nonpartisan or bipartisan discussion about faith and politics. Here are some of the things that this young Democrat from the Midwest has to say about his personal understanding and commitment to faith. In an interview about his faith, Buttigieg said the Democratic Party has sometimes become distant from religion. But it's a side effect of something healthy, he said, because of its commitment to the separation of church and state, 
which is a good thing, and the belief that it speaks for people of any faith or no faith at all. But Mayor Pete, as he is now being affectionately called, seems to understand something that I have been saying for many years. One can believe in the separation of church and state, but not the segregation of morality and faith from public life. Indeed, the mayor said in a recent interview with the Washington Post Sarah Pulliam Bailey, I think there is an opportunity, hopefully for religion, not to be used so much as a cudgel, but invoked as a way of calling us to higher values. Of course, there is an obvious omission by the secular press in covering the faith of the most dependable block of Democratic voters, African Americans, most of whom go to black churches. The mayor told the Washington Post, as we talk of the need for a religious left, we should remember that the black churches have been putting their faith into action for quite some time. Many of the problems with religious politics, Buttigieg said, have to do with an inevitable putting down of the values of others. To me, what's more interesting, he said, is the way in which religious or non-religious ethical motivations can overlap. He says, those are the areas I'm going to point to anytime I mention a religious commitment of my own in the context of a campaign process. Then he appeared on The View, Mayor Pete did, and he said this, When I go to church and the scripture that I hear, it is about protecting the poor. It is about looking over, looking after those who are marginalized in society. There's a lot about welcoming the stranger, which to me includes welcoming the immigrant. Uh, And, you know, so much of uh, what what Christ's teachings are about have to do with with the way that we take care of the least among us. And I see now in in the White House this celebration of uh, how powerful you can be and how rich you can be as if that's the same thing as virtue. And it just doesn't land. Now, I get that different people have different interpretations of their faith. Um, And I also get that as somebody entering a political process, uh, it's my responsibility to be there for people from any faith or from no faith. So it's not about Mm -hmm. imposing my religious views. But I think for those of us who think uh, that our morality is is something that needs to be in touch with our religious faith uh, personally, um, then it's really important to explain that that this is not, uh, no one party has a monopoly on faith. In the mayor's interview on Morning Joe, he got more response, they say, than most of their interviews ever get. People were tweeting me all day long. Did you see Morning Joe? Did you see this Mayor Pete? Did you hear what he said? Here's what he said. I think anybody in this process needs to demonstrate how they will represent people of any faith, people of no faith. But um, I also think the time has come to reclaim faith as a theme. You know, the idea that that the only way a religious person could enter the politics is through the the prism of the religious right. There's so much more to it than uh, these kind of questions that that, that get put up as sort of litmus Mm -hmm. test questions about faith. To me, it's uh, what does it mean in your life uh, to try to live in what I was taught in Catholic school, even though I'm not Catholic, the the idea of the imitation of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea that when God comes among us, um, you see service, you see humbling, uh, you see foot washing. What's so refreshing to me in this campaign season so far is that Mayor Pete is not the only candidate speaking compellingly about his or her faith. Cory Booker does, all the time. 
He speaks about the impact that Christ has had upon his life. Corey says, The life of Jesus is very impactful to me and very important to me. He lived a life committed to dealing with the issues of the poor and the sick, the folks that other folks disregard, disrespect, and often oppress. He lived a life of radical love, and that is the standard that I fail to reach every day, but that really motivates me in what I do. Elizabeth Warren talks about how Matthew 25 is the text that she relies upon as a Christian again and again. She says, it says three things. It says, there is God in the hungry, the poor, the stranger. There is God in each of us. Because remember, it says, you did it to me. And that's saying God was in, is in, the poor, the thirsty, the stranger. I actually have seen Elizabeth Warren's Bible, and it's all underlined around Matthew 25. (laughs) In going through all the interviews and the coverage, as journalists are finding this common thread in the Democratic field, a line in Powers' interview with Buttigieg stood out to me. He criticizes right-wing Christians for saying so much about what Christ said so little about and so little about what he said so much about. That's the heart of this. It's true, the religious rights litmus test for Christian issues of abortion same-sex marriage, and religious liberty, at least for themselves, are taken without any reference or relation to the deepest and most persistent themes of Jesus' teachings and questions. I'd put the problem this way. The American public can listen to the religious right all day long and learn little or nothing about Jesus. And many of the words and actions of the Trump administration, which the religious right supports, are completely contradictory and virtually antithetical to the teachings of Christ. It's time to hold the religious right accountable to what Jesus said. With the scourge of white nationalist killings at worship in a black church in Charleston, South Carolina, in a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a mosque in New Zealand, and in many other places, white nationalism must be named as a sin, a sin against God, and specifically, anti-Christ. And instead of doing that, Donald Trump has become a champion of white nationalism as a global religion with more and more violent consequences. When are we going to hear the religious right take him to account? that. Jesus says how we treat the stranger, immigrants, refugees, is how we treat Christ himself. Donald Trump has made demonizing and attacking the stranger and making his wall the core of his agenda and legacy. This week, he again threatened to shut down the southern border and cut aid to Central American countries. Where is the accountability to Christ here? Not just in the part of a president who claims to be Christian, but on the part of Christians who support him. Where is the accountability? Wealth is triumphant in the world of Trump, and unmitigated power is the ultimate goal of leadership. But how we treat the least of these is Jesus' test, even for leaders of nations. And foot washing reflects his style of servant leadership. Why can some not see this contradiction? 
the planet is in jeopardy from the growing climate crisis, which the president denies and accelerates. Where is the voice reminding his supporters that we are to be faithful stewards of God's creation, the Bible says? Ironically and hopefully, a new generation of evangelicals is getting that message. These are not just Christians with different political views, which is fine, but people practicing different religions altogether. And it's time to speak more theologically than politically about these differences. Most of us being lifted up as representatives of the religious left by reporters discussing these fresh words of Mayor Pete are not really comfortable with the term left, as that is not how we define ourselves. We don't believe in folding our religion around political ideology, as we see the religious right shamelessly doing every day in their uncritical support for Donald Trump. Rather, we want to take our commitments as followers of Jesus and as believers in the Scripture into our public life in ways that are willing to challenge all sides. Don't go right. Don't go left. Go deeper into Jesus. But a whole new and fresh conversation about religion and politics is being sparked in this election season as we head toward 2020 by a 36-year-old millennial mayor from the conservative Midwest Rust Belt, a Democrat, and a married gay man, speaking the kind of language that can change old narratives and national conversations. We worship a God who is full of surprises. This is Jim Wallace for The Soul of the Nation.